welcome Hoosier fans to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers beat North Alabama 91-65 to to move to 3-0 and on this young season and you know, this was really a game that was kind of a tale of two halves. The Hoosiers did not play very well overall in the first half and despite scoring 47 points and really shooting it well from the outside, the defense left a lot to be desired. I think Indiana went to the locker room up 47-40 to but probably not feeling real good about the way that they were playing, especially on the defensive end of the court. I know I was not very happy on the halftime report and really wanted to see what this team would do coming out in the second half. And to Indiana's credit, they came out and played much better in the second half, got rid of some of the sloppy turnovers, really turned it up on the defensive end. They outscored North Alabama 44-25 to in the second half. And gave us some things that we can feel good about, which was good because, like I said, after that first half, it didn't look like there was going to be a lot to feel good about. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are going to break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And let's start this show the way that we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And the Banner Moment comes early in the second half, about 17 and a half minutes to go. It was still 50-43. to 43. Indiana was having... Some trouble putting North Alabama away. And for about a 90-second stretch, Trace Jackson Davis acted like he was the best player on the court and dominated and put some distance between Indiana and North Alabama. He scored six straight points for Indiana and did it all in different ways. On one possession, he got it on the left-hand side of the court, uh, drove left baseline, missed it, a great rebound by Justin Smith who got it back to Trace, and he hit a nice little jump hook. That kind of aggressiveness is what Archie Miller has been asking for from Trace, and he really showed it and continued to show it as on the next possession he got the ball uh, outside the three-point line, uh, drove, uh, you know, put the ball on the deck, drove in, uh, got fouled, was aggressive again, made both of the free throws, his ninth and tenth makes of the game to that point. He would end up 14 for 15 from the line, so really terrific there from Trace, and then the next possession, he got at the top of the key, drove in, and dunked it with his left hand. Probably the signature moment from the night. It was a six-point run by Trace offensively for Indiana. It took it from 50-43 to 43 to 56-45. to 45. I don't think North Alabama ever got it within double digits again. And, you know, it's not just the result here. As we've talked about, these early games, it's all about the process. And what I loved about this process from Trace is he was aggressive. He's the biggest, most talented, most athletic guy on the court. And you could tell he believed it, and he was acting on it in that stretch. And that's not going to be there for him in every game this year. Obviously, as the the competition goes up, the talent level, the athleticism of the opponents go up, he's not going to be able to do that every game. But seeing him have that mentality in this game, that is going to carry him through. Because I tell you what, a talent like him, an athlete like him, there are going to be a lot of times when he's that good. And I think we've heard Archie talk about how much he wants Trace to play like that. Tonight we saw it, and it was huge, and it really sparked Indiana. And like I said, they kind of used that momentum, carried it forward for the rest of the game, for the rest of the second half. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Home Field Apparel, which was founded by an IU grad and remains based in Indianapolis. And if you haven't been paying attention to what's been going on over there, you really need to go check out their website, homefieldapparel.com. They have so much incredible gear for the IU fan, either for yourself or the IU fan in your life as we head toward the holiday shopping season. Of course, the headliner item, the Bison logo hoodie made out of their soft tri-blend material. One of us is almost always wearing it (laughs) while we're doing this show. Uh, In addition to the Bison hoodie, you've got the IU Champions t-shirt, the vintage sneakers design, which is actually available in a traditional uh, traditional cut, a three-quarter sleeve cut, and a women's cut. And they've been releasing an IU football-inspired design each week during the football season. So much there for you to go check out. Go to homefieldapparel.com and see what's best for you 
and for everybody that is on your shopping list this holiday season. And one note before you order, you're going to want to remember this. You get 20% off because you listen to the assembly call. So use the promo code assembly20 when you're at checkout, assembly20, and you will get 20% off your entire order at homefieldapparel.com. All right, well, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms. Andy, your bottoms line on tonight's Indiana victory. Well, I think you got to start with Trace. It was definitely reached a, a point in the second half where it was a, why don't you just build the whole plane out of Trace Jackson Davis type <laughs> type status. So uh, so that was good. I, you know, he was really fantastic. And, and I thought really at the start of both halves, set the tone, was really, really intent, really active. Uh, and really tough. And, and I think you just see him getting better and better uh, and more comfortable you know, playing. Again, we can talk about the competition uh, all we want in these scenarios, but I think it's, again, for him, it's good to be able to get in there and be able to compete, get a little bit comfortable. Uh, and I think he's started to see a little bit for the first time tonight him scoring in some different ways uh, that we've seen him. He talked about the playoff, the dribble where he dunked and uh, and that was certainly a spectacular play, but he was really active on the glass and the, uh, the free throw shooting was a welcome sight to everyone. Uh, the other stretch, uh, you know, for me to talk about was, you know, a lot of it, we talked about the, the defense being really rough in the first half. And, and there were spots in the first half where thought Northern Al- or North Alabama hit some contested shots. There were some other threes that they made out of the, I think, seven they made in the first half that were wide open and, and were, you know, late closeouts or, or different defensive breakdowns. But there was a stretch of the second half where IU was really intent defensively. Um, you know, got called for a few fouls at the beginning of the half, as would be a theme for the rest of it. But then there was a 13-possession stretch. I don't know what the score was then, but there was a 13-possession stretch where uh, North Alabama scored four points and turned the ball over eight times. Uh, and and that's really when the lead extended itself. And and IU, you know, kind of relapsed a little bit or whatever after that and, and gave up, you know, 15 points in the, in the 10 possessions after that most of those uh were from the free throw line as you know everybody's getting called for fouls but i you know to me that that stretch there of like lights out defense to getting out of position getting called for fouls and giving up a whole bunch of points is kind of the you know kind of make or break teeter-totter or whatever you want to call it of the way that this team played when they were playing really strong defense and really aggressive um they were fantastic when they uh you know let up they were able to, you know, let a lesser team, you know, hang around in the first half and, and get off to run in the second half. So I think that's really the thing for me as you talk about like habits to watch and things like that. Like can more of the good stretches of defense become the norm as opposed to the the lapses where they really, um, you know, get lax and, and allow some easy baskets. Ryan, what do you have to rant about tonight? If you were there on the halftime report, you would have been ranting a lot with me. Uh, <laughs> what do you have yeah, to rant I'm a little about calmed down after the half. Uh <laughs> You know, I, I think that what tonight proved was just how much better this team runs when Rob Finnessy is at the point guard. I, I You know, the game started off and Armand Franklin, God love him, he's a, free, he's a true freshman. You're not expecting miracles out of the guy, uh, but he's starting because they're obviously still kind of easing Rob Finnessy back in. And the first few minutes, it was really rough. It was bad. Um, the The team was turning the ball over. There just wasn't any flow and it wasn't necessarily all on Armand. It just wasn't running smoothly. Rob Finnessy came in, all of a sudden, he's driving to the rim. He's moving the ball on the perimeter. He's finding open guys. Even if he's not getting an assist or, or getting to the basket or whatever, it just there's more confidence in from the rest of the team when he's on the floor. Everybody knows he can run the offense, and it's just calmer, 
and and it just feels like the ball moves through him on offense. And um, he knows when to attack. He knows when to pass. He knows when to back out, sort of start things over. He knows what plays to call in, in what situations. It, it just felt like there was a calm that settled over the team, and that's when they started playing a little bit better. You're right. The defense in the first half was really shaky from everyone, from guys who are typically really good defenders, too. Al Durham had some rough patches. I'm sure we'll get to Justin Smith. He had some rough patches. I mean, there was just uh, Jerome Hunter played great on offense for most of the game, but was really struggling to move his feet defensively and all of that. So I, there were some rough patches. This was not a perfect game, but you felt like they came out after halftime, really settled down. I believe Finnessy started the second half too. Um, he but did. he, yeah. And, and it just seemed like from the start of the second half on, there was just a confidence in the team. They didn't have as much of the first half. Again, some of these early season games are going to get that ragged starts kind of as, as the team is still sort of molding together. Um, but at the same time, I, I really think that that second half looked really good when they came out. And, and, and I thought that Rob Finnessy had a lot to do with settling that team down in the first half as well. Yeah, I agree with you completely. Um, this game definitely showed the impact of Rob. You know, I want to talk real quick about Archie Miller uh, because, you know, we spent a lot of time on here kind of breaking down each player. You know, this was an interesting game from the standpoint of Archie. And, and there was a shot in the first half you know, one of North Alabama's many kind of uncontested shots in the lane that they made. And Archie was just kind of down on one knee over on the sideline. You saw him drop his head, you know, in exasperation, self-reflection. Like, you know, I don't know exactly what was going through his mind, but, you know, he was clearly upset. I think they might have even gone ahead at that point, or maybe they were down by one or two. And, you know, clearly Archie didn't have his team ready to play the kind of basketball he wants them to play. Because he has said he wants this program to hang its hat on defense. And all of the excuses that you want to build in for, you know, Devontae's not out there. you got bigger guys guarding guys on the perimeter. It's early. You've got young guys. Like, all of these different things, what we saw for the first 20 minutes was absolutely unacceptable defensively. I mean, that's going to get you beat by a team that isn't in the 300s in offensive efficiency in the country. So, on that point, it's a little bit concerning that given how focused he was on it, in the post-game press conference last game, talking about it this week, that this team didn't come out and play that kind of defense. But clearly, he got a message across to him in the second half because they were a completely different team. And so, you know, the ability to do that and adjust and kind of pull this team up by the scruff of its neck and get them going from unfocused, lackadaisical, really just, you know, no cohesion at all on defense to much better in the second half, I'm going to take that as a good sign. You know, that he was able to do that in the second half. So I think it's very fair to be concerned about what we saw in the first half. And I am, and we need to see this now for 40 minutes. But at least, Andy, he was able to get him there in the second half to get back to playing the kind of basketball he wants. Because, you know, frankly, I thought the 47 points and the lead in the first half was kind of fool's gold. It was built on a team that was shooting well, but not playing well. And finally, in the second half, they got back to actually playing the kind of basketball that they want to play and, and, getting back to establishing their identity, which is what these early games are supposed to be about. Yeah, it feels like a, a little bit of a theme to me between the exhibition and the, in the first couple games. I know uh, at, at the very least the first couple where they really would go in, they'd talk to one of the assistants going into the half, and then there would be clear points of emphasis, and then they would come out in the second half and really focus on doing those things. So why that is not happening yet at the beginning of games, um, I, I think short of – you know, being aggressive enough to draw some fouls in the first half, I would I would agree with your assessment where you know they got good shots, but I think this was a scenario where you're going to be able to get good shots when you want. And to Ryan's and, point, Rob started the second half and didn't start the first half, and I think that had something to do with it because the I think defense it did changes too. when he's out there. 
Yeah, and, and well, he also Archie also left his uh, his jacket and tie in the locker room. Apparently, <laughs> if you need any any evidence of what that what that halftime speech was like, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and the, and the flip side of that is though, you know, the Blackman guy who comes out and hits, you know, the four threes in the first half was one for nine on the season and shot under twenty nine percent from three last year, and a few of the ones he hit were contested. So there's a little yeah, bit of pretty that's ridiculous. probably a guy that you don't mind taking shots, but I think it was on the heels of really struggling to contain dribblers against Portland state and, and giving up so many baskets in the lane. I think that's where the frustration really comes in. I think from a fan perspective, certainly from, uh, from Archie's perspective, because you know, that, that had to be an emphasis going into the game and they really in some ways forced tough shots that they made, which I think you could live with. But I think those weren't the only shots that were going in. There were others that were created off of, you know, defensive breakdowns and things like that. I know we were, you know, in, in text kind of talking about how hard Joey Brunk was hedging screens and how far away from the basket he was when he was doing that. And, um, and that, that just was Tom gets Crean everybody else deep. into, yeah, that yeah was it Tom just Crean gets everybody else defense. thrown off. Yeah. It's just so hard. He's got so far to recover um, playing out that far. It just gets difficult. So I, I think there were, it, that, that was a real struggle. And the other part, well, I'll, we'll, we'll kind of harp on the defense. It was another stretch for the end of the first half. I, we'll get back to, um, but, but Ryan, it seems like you want to, want to jump in, give your thoughts. Oh, on I the, just, uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just emphasizing what you're saying, my friend. I know <laughs> the the Joey Bronk, uh, high hedge from 25 feet away and then having to, you know, sprint back the 25 feet to cover his guy when, you know, other people have to recover to that and then close out to their men. I mean, it's, it's a mess and, and Joey should not be, you know, hedging out high on a screen, 25 feet from the basket. You, you don't do that. I mean, there, there's the, You'd rather have the guy take the 25-foot shot than hedge out. Hedge below that screen, make sure he doesn't drive the lane, and then recover to your man. I, I think that you know he's he's hedging high on these screens almost halfway to half court. And and it's it, it, that's just not necessary. There were times where he hedged so high the guy dribbled under him and went right by him. Instead of, you know, usually instead of when you hedge, you're supposed to force the guy to go away from the basket. And he's hedging and the guy would sneak underneath him. I mean, it's it's too much. I mean, I, I like what Joey brings to this team as far as his leadership, you know, veteran ability, and he's he's a presence in the post offensively, but he can't hedge 25, 27 feet from the basket and and expect to recover and expect the defense to recover because if you don't get back there immediately to your guy, somebody else has to step in and take the guy into the basket. Then everybody's scrambling to get to their guy and you're one pass behind on on defense. It's it's a problem, and we saw it a lot during the Tom Crean era. Whether it'd have a hard hedge from their post guy so far from the basket, and it leads to an easy layup. And, and and you know, at that point, don't hedge. Just just lay back and make sure the guy doesn't drive to the hoop. That's all you got to do. Make him shoot that long shot. I mean, yeah, I know guys are good three point shooters these days, but make him shoot that. And uh, and that's that was my main complaint about the defense. I think that that was causing chain reactions that caused guys to not be recovered in time to get beat one on one to get open three-pointers, all of that stuff. It's one play can cause the entire defense to be off. Some guys were not playing well one-on-one. As I mentioned, Justin Smith, Al Durham, a couple other guys did not play great one-on-one defense, recovered, got a little bit better in the second half, uh, got a lot of help from blocks on the interior and altered shots and things like that, which I think is going to be there all year for this IU team. But, you know, if you're... If the point uh, of contact for an offense, the point to start off the offense is a pick-and-roll with a guy 25 feet out from the basket, 
lay back. Do not get fall into that trap, which is because he was doing exactly what North Alabama wanted him to come out really far. Then after recover, you know, 25, 30 feet to the basket against another big guy who's wide open. So I I just think that set a chain reaction. We saw it less and less in the second half, but that set a chain reaction. The first half that got them, they were chasing in the first half chasing on defense. You can't be chasing on. And the help to the first guy would be there or the recovery to the first pass would be there, but it was the second pass or the pass after the the dribbler had beaten him. The help was just so off kilter. And that's what was better in the second half, you know, and you know, see someone in the chat mob and, and Andy, to your point, like, yes, they missed some shots in the first half and they made or in the second half and they made some shots in the first half. And there's always going to be a little randomness with shooting when you're evaluating a defense. And again, that's why you have to evaluate the quality of the shot more than just the result. But I also find it a little bit funny how when you're not really fighting that hard on defense, you're not making it uncomfortable for teams. They make more difficult shots. And when you are, they feel, you can't allow them to feel comfortable. Right. And, and, and when you are, when you're really competing and you're fighting through screens and you're making movements more difficult, even when they get wide open, they're a little bit rushed and the shots don't go down as easily. So, you know, I don't buy the whole thing that, oh, this has just been this crazy run of teams like banking in shots and hitting all these tough shots against us. There's been a little bit of that, but it's also because we've gone through stretches where we just haven't fought that hard on defense. And I have to imagine that's what Archie was talking about in that second half, especially when it comes to, you know, containing dribblers, you know, helping with purpose and, and you know, all that stuff. So anyway, um, much better in the second half, though. And I think we can all at least exhale a little bit. Let's talk before we break. Let's talk about Al Durham and Justin Smith. Um, you know, I thought this was. The second kind of shaky performance for these two guys, Ryan. I thought in the last game against Portland State, they scored well, but you know they didn't play great defense, struggled in certain areas. Tonight, you know, Al Durham has 11 points. He does make a couple of threes. Justin Smith really disappeared for long stretches, only played 20 minutes, scored three points. You know, I thought Al in particular defensively, you know, he struggles moving laterally, but I also thought he allowed himself to get picked too easily. You know, he's a guy defensively, because he struggles laterally, he's got to make up for it with anticipation and just flat out like competing to beat a guy to a spot. I didn't think he was doing it in the first half. He did a better job in the second half. You know, this is one of those performances from these two guys that make you remember that as freshmen and sophomores, they were very inconsistent players. And would have games where they just kind of disappeared at times. You hope that gets better as upperclassmen. Still plenty of time for it, too. But, you know, these are games that make you kind of put your foot on the brakes just a little bit from all the enthusiasm from their first couple performances. Yeah, I'm not as concerned about Al as I think you are, um, just from what I saw tonight. I saw some possessions where he was. I thought, actually, his biggest problem wasn't lateral movement. I thought he was guarding guys too close, too far away from the basket. And he would step to them and they drive. And that would get him backing off. Yeah. And that that's what created the the lanes. Um, I, I agree laterally, he still has a lot to a lot of work to do, but that wasn't my concern tonight. My concern tonight was that he was almost trying to step up too much, too far away. I mean, guys 30 feet from the basket. Let him be 30 feet from the basket. This guy kept hitting threes in his face. I think he got well, spooked. That's, that's true, but you don't need to guard that 30 feet away. You need to guard that 24 and in. You know, and, and so, but I think that again, mentally, he was thinking, oh, I, this guy, I can't let him shoot over me. And so he would step out a little bit too far and then get screened or get the drive and then he'd have to recover. And, and so that was my concern with him was that he was almost, and he was a little flat footed tonight. I don't know what it was, um, but he was a little flat footed tonight in stretches. I thought in stretches, he played fine defense, but in stretches, you're right. There was just, it was, it was lackadaisical. Um, I thought he had some great recovery, uh, 
even though he got himself into trouble, I thought he recovered. The block well shot in the second the half. Block shot. That's that's fantastic. what I'm talking about. He competed there. He didn't just let the guy get yes. by him. He fought after that happened. That and you saw that happen about. more again in the second half. Yes. And yes. Um. And, and with Justin Smith, I my concern was that he just was absent. I just and there you know there was a there was a, a a foul earlier that you know maybe wasn't a wasn't actually it was on three pointer where he fouled the guy on the three pointer it was the Kyle guy move where he didn't give him a chance to land and the guy kind of flopped it out and um and you know got the foul call Justin didn't like it a lot of people didn't like it then he came and then you knew absolutely this is in the second half you knew he was going to take the next shot because that's what Justin Smith does something bad happens that he doesn't like he goes down and tries to make people forget about it and he took a three that was ill-advised he tried to drive in first and ran right into somebody and you know almost gave the ball away kicked it then stepped out and tried a three and missed it and then he came back down again on the very next play and fouled a guy and it's that's the Justin Smith we saw a lot last year, and that's not the guy we saw in the first two games. And I just thought his defense was okay tonight. He's so athletically gifted that okay defense from him is usually pretty good. But it just felt like he was on another planet during this game. He was not locked in, not energetic. He he looked flat, like he had no expression. You know, it's that's not the guy we saw in the first couple games where he was reliable to attack and and he was reliable to step up defensively and make a play. There was one play where he forced to travel. It was great defense where he, he recovered to Deron Davis's man and played straight up and the guy had to go around him and he just he didn't move. He stayed right there and the guy dragged his foot his foot and traveled. I mean, that was a nice play, but other than that there was nothing that stood out about his game tonight there was nothing offensive he only took two shots one of them was at three um he wasn't trying to you know he tried to post up like once or twice i mean he really just did not one time he tried to post up and he started backing a guy down and very obviously a defender from the perimeter stepped in and tried to knock the ball and knock the ball away and stole it and it was like everyone in the arena saw that happening except justin smith i mean there's just it was a lack of focus tonight it looked like to me and and that was very concerning yeah, for me, I, I would echo a lot of what Ryan said. I, I'm I'm less concerned about Al. I think you look at his stat line, the two things that jump out is he had four fouls, or I guess this is three things, two, four fouls, no assists, three turnovers. Um, you know, the scoring, I, I think, was fine. Uh, I, I just, while Rob took on, because he ended up playing more, took on a bit more of the you know primary ball handling role, I think you'd like to see a guy like Al be more of a creator as he had been in some of the other games. And uh, and take a little bit better care of the ball, you know. Defensively, I think you guys hit that pretty well. He, he's one I'm less I'm less concerned about. I think the the Justin again in the same way that we shouldn't overreact to the first couple games, we probably shouldn't overreact to this one. Um, but I, I go back a little bit, Jared, to what um, you know Mike DeCourcy brought up with you on Banner Monday, where I think the two things he said were important for IU was under control Devonte and engage Justin. Uh, and I thought this was the first time that we didn't see engage Justin. Uh, for stretches of the game, and I and I had circled that same stretch that Ryan talked about. Although, what's interesting after that? So, so he did. He fouled the guy on the three, almost turned the ball over, then then shot a three, fouled again on the next possession. Offensively, though, he did make a good effort playing out an offensive rebound. I think it's the one that you know he pitched it to uh, Trace, eventually scored on the possession. So it was like he didn't get completely out of it at that stage, but it was where you know one bad play turns to three um, instead of just you know moving on from. You know, maybe it was questionable. It was hard to tell from the camera angle on the, you know, the three-point shot. What, whatever the case may be, at that point in the game, like, can you move on from that and, and really get back in it quickly? And he eventually did, but I think it took, uh, it took a little while. And I think this is the kind of game that will get people's guard up with him uh, in terms of what he can be. And um, 
and we'll kind of go from there. But I thought it, it was a game, if you look from a minutes perspective, I mean, Justin played 20 minutes. There's a lot of guys right in that 17, 19, 20-minute range. Um, so they were able to spread that out. Al was the only guy who played more than 22 uh, and actually you, you know, had the highest plus minus, again, for a one-game thing. I don't know that that means a, a great deal. But um, but I did think you know it wasn't like Archie necessarily forced the issue with Justin, and he was certainly willing uh, to play other guys when, when he wasn't playing as, as well as he might have liked him to. Yeah, I definitely agree with you guys. I'm less concerned about Al because in the past when Al would have kind of a disappear game, he would score zero two points and would lose his aggressiveness. That's not happening. He's still being aggressive offensively. He scored in double digits and I thought improved within the game. So I think those are important points that you guys made. And yeah, you know, this was something that we've seen from Justin and hopefully he leaves it here in North Alabama, uh, you know, learns from it and we can move forward. And one quick point I want to make before we break that was made in the chat by Jeff that, that is important to remember is Archie is experimenting some in first halves with lineups. You know, coach said maybe some of those ball screen coverages because they've been a little bit different than what we saw the first couple games. Maybe that was a scouting report issue that just wasn't executed very well. That context is important for these games that some of the things we're seeing may be experiments. And, you know, if they don't work, maybe they're experiments that don't last very long. And certainly there were some in the first half that uh, we would hope to see stay there in the first half. All right, coming up, uh, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's victory over North Alabama. I will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And then we will go inside the numbers to highlight the most important statistical notes from the game. You are listening to The Assembly Call. Stick with us. Hi, this is James Blackman Jr. I never miss an open three, and I never miss an episode of The Assembly Call. Join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosier. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and we are breaking down Indiana's 91-65 victory over North Alabama. Tonight, as the Hoosiers move to 3-0, they Put a bad first half behind him, played much better in the second half. And guys, it's time for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. And, you know, to that point about the defense, I thought there was one possession in particular that really showed the improvement in the second half. You know, Ryan, we talked in the first half about or, or about how in the first half, you know, they really just got discombobulated with help. You know, and if North Alabama would just be patient, make the extra pass, they were getting open shots. And at about the 1345 mark in the second half, Indiana leading by 13, 5845. A North Alabama guy drove the left baseline, passed to the guy in the corner, and North Alabama whipped the ball around the perimeter, and Indiana exhibited outstanding help. Not only, I don't remember who it was, not only did somebody slide over and stop the dribble penetration, but they rotated over to the guy in the corner and then rotated to each pass to the point where it, you all, like every pass you kind of thought, well, they're going to get an open three, but then an Indiana guy was there, and they ended up forcing a turnover that's what it should look like. And I believe the lineup on the floor at the time was Al, Armand, Jerome, Race, and Trace. And we're going to talk about it. Some of those guys, when they've been on the court and playing together, have really been good. But, you know, when we talk about, you know, guys hitting these tough shots and all this stuff, well, one of the best ways to prevent that is to actually hustle, to help with purpose, and to know where everybody's going to go, and to close out well. And that's what Indiana did to the point where North Alabama couldn't even get the shot off. That's the kind of defense that we want to see. And so that's why, to me, 
you know, Andy, is you look at that second half, that's why I'm so much more encouraged because that we would not have seen that possession in the first half. The guys just didn't seem as engaged as you would need to be on a, on a possession like that. That was the defense executed well. And they didn't play like that the entire second half, but there were certainly more examples of it than what we saw in the first. And that's got to make Archie happy. Yeah, that was a kind of a, a textbook defensive possession, uh, maybe probably regardless, but certainly in comparison to the uh, <laughs> into what we saw in the first half. But it was it was really good recovery. And you could even hear the crowd like kind of get excited because they had, you know, that was one of the first times, if not maybe the first time they'd really seen that, that level of rotation and, uh, and that in the, over the course of the game. So yeah, you could tell it kind of picked up the crowd. And then, yeah, at that point when they had contained everything and everything got reset, you kind of felt like, all right, well, there's no way they're scoring on this possession because you know, the, the opportunity to score had passed. IU had stemmed the tide and figured out a way to, uh, to close it down. So yeah, I, I remember exactly the play you were talking about. It was a, it was a really good sequence by a number of guys. And, and one of the points that was made on the broadcast a number of times was really about communication uh, on the floor. And I don't know if that has anything to do with some of these combinations that seem to have, um, you know, worked better together. I have no idea who, you know, gets along better with anybody else on the team or who's more communicative or, or whatever the case may be. But um, you, you definitely see those kinds of breakdowns that seem preventable. In that case, you've got guys, I feel like on that one, you know, kind of pointing different things out and you could kind of see them going through the process of getting to where they needed to be as a, as a unit, as opposed to just individually trying to go and, and kind of do something uh, one-on-one. Yeah. Ryan, you know, another moment that I'm sure nobody missed is Jerome Hunter came in again with fire in his eyes. I think the first time he touched it, put up a three and drained it. And, you know, I think he scored seven points pretty quickly. And Jerome finished the night with 12 points, uh, you know, played 19 minutes. You know, really was nice to see him get out there, get some more extended time. Uh, you know, yeah. wasn't as efficient. He was four for nine. But, man, two of those threes rattled in and out. Like his shot yeah, looks he should good. have had two more. And he looks confident, man. And, yeah. uh, you know, you just you see the offensive potential oozing. You had, a you know, an interesting, I thought, observation during the game, you know, that defensively he obviously, you know, needs some work and needs to, you know, be able to get low and, and you know, kind of play for full possessions, which is going to come as he gets better. But, you know, my goodness, he continues to show things to be really, really encouraged by as we go through uh, his first few games. Yeah, the indication of a guy on defense who's kind of struggling is when they bend over but don't bend their knees. And so you see him leaning forward and not sort of in a stance and with their bend. And you could see that with Jerome. And and look, he sat out for a year. He's not where he wants to be defensively. He's not where Archie wants him to be defensively. Set so missed an entire year of basketball. The offense is very encouraging because of what we saw from Jerome in high school. I think he can develop. He's got certainly got the athleticism and the skill to develop into a much better defender and a better all-around player. But the, the thing is, is that remember, he sat out, sat out a year of a weight program, then had the summer working non-contact to build up his strength again. So he's not a year advanced from when he entered college. He's probably about where he was when he entered college, maybe a little bit ahead of that. But remember, he lost a year. I mean, it's 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 incre- it's so hard to dis- describe what that does to a guy to lose a year and what it does to your body and what it does to your mental state and all that. What my favorite part wasn't Jerome stepping up and shooting threes because his shot looks great right now. And then the two that rattled in and out were halfway down and came out. Um, just cruel luck on that rim. Um, but the one that I really liked was when he got the ball on the wing one time, took a couple dribbles in, turned his back to the guy, and then turned and just had a little jump hook right over him. That's confidence. Like that is coming. He wasn't in a set post up. He was just on the wing. He knew he was better than his guy. Took a couple dribbles in, shielded him with his body, and then did a little quick jump hook. 
that's the confidence you want to see out of a scorer like Jerome Hunter. And, and, and it was so quick and it was so definitive. It wasn't sometimes you see a guy in the post and he bangs the, the ball on the ground for, for a minute and then makes some crazy move. That was just, Oh no, I'm bigger than this guy. I'm going to go right up over him. I, he drew, took a couple dribbles in and then just that quick, quick little hook. And that's the kind of scoring that like, that's an easy basket. And, and when you're playing basketball, you want to get as many easy baskets as possible, whether they're wide open threes or layups or whatever. You want to find as many easy baskets as possible. And that's an easy basket for Jerome Hunter, given his size, given his length and given his skill set. So it was really encouraging to see that from him, really encouraging to see him confidently stepping into threes, which will start to fall with more regularity. I don't know what was going on with that rim. That was that was just cruel to happen to the same guy back to back shots. But um, really, really encouraged from what we've had from jo- Jerome Hunter so far. 19 minutes, 12 points. Um, as you said, he was four of nine, but two of those shots should have been in. Um, I don't think anybody's going to be concerned about that. The no. questions are going to come moving laterally, defensively, maybe his timing defensively, you know, knowing where guys are. Again, learning to play in the uh, in the system, in the pack line defense. We've seen that take some guys up to two years to learn. I mean, so that's the concern I have, uh, but it was great to see him. I mean, look, if he's a guy who can come on and just give you extra offense off the bench and just be a you know an energizer bunny with his defense or with his offense and then guys could cover him defensively for a little bit, you know, give him 20 minutes a game to do that, that'd be great. That, that's, why, that's, that's why you pair him with Race Thompson, man. Those two guys I mean, together yeah, are really good together. Speaking of another guy who <laughs> yeah. we, we need to talk about. Well, one more point I want to make on Jerome, and then I want to get Andy's thoughts on him. You know, it's starting to feel like once you get Devontae back, you always want to have one of those two guys on the court because they're the two guys that can go get a shot when the shot clock goes down. You know, because Jerome is tall enough, he can shoot over people. He can go down the post. Like, he can go get a shot. Same with Devontae. Like, those two guys have those skills that really no one else has. And I think those are going to be incredibly useful for this team once the competition gets better, as we all know happens in, you know, in Big Ten play. And the offense, you know, gets into a little bit of a slog. I mean, that's just something Indiana needed last year from somebody else. And it looks like he'll be able to provide some of that this year, hopefully. Uh, Andy, your thoughts on him, and then let's talk about race, too. Yeah, I think what you what you really like about Jerome, and he showed it tonight, was his ability to score at at really any level on the court. You know, he scored some points in the post. Ryan talked about that one. He continues to look pretty comfortable uh, sliding in there and getting position, hit that mid range jumper. I think at the very end of the game, uh, and then you've seen his you know three point shot really uh, start to look a little bit more fluid uh, and more confident as much as anything over the last couple of games. And and he's a guy who. You know, he just feels like he can cover a lot of ground in just a couple steps and a couple dribbles. And really, you know, that, that play that Ryan was talking about, like he made up his mind and, and really made up a lot of ground on the court, got himself in a position as a scorer and did it all uh, really quickly. So uh, I, I think you you just see a guy who is starting to feel more comfortable, starting to feel more confident. Uh, and, and again, we kind of talked about there's there's lots of things you can nitpick about the schedule, but for a guy like him, it, it's kind of perfect there is not a ton of pressure uh, in some of these scenarios and you've already seen the strides that he's made over the course of essentially four games if you count the exhibition uh, and what he's really been able to do and the, and the difference even in that over what really has amounted to two weeks uh, of, of game action you just see him uh, looking more comfortable with some of the things that you see and uh, he's a guy who can just score and so um, I, I think he gives them somebody who can play different positions and a guy who you can put in different places on the floor uh, to be able to either create things for others or uh, find a way to get points for himself. 
Yeah. Um, okay, let's go inside the numbers real quick. Um, no, no, no. Let's talk about let, uh, let's talk about Race Thompson a little bit more. We definitely want to talk about him, a guy who continues to just be a rebounding machine. Uh, I'll tell you what I love the most about Race. That is a guy who competes on every defensive possession, even when he gets beaten. I mean, he bodies guys up. He recovered. Did he have three block shots tonight? Did I see that right? Yeah, three block shots. Three, yeah. He only had four rebounds, which like, two on one possession. Yeah, you know it's funny. He played seventeen minutes, five points, four boards, three blocks. I mean, I guess that kind of tells the story. But I, I kind of thought no, the numbers were going to be more. Like I felt like his impact was more. And they I, were plus seventeen when he was on the floor. Yeah, because he, I mean, because he makes an impact. He just brings a toughness. And I tell you, you know, the thing that I kept thinking as this game was going on is, let's say that this was a five point game. With under four minutes to go, who do you think Archie's rolling out there for a lineup? Oh, I would yeah, almost I mean, guarantee Race Thompson would be on the court. He has I his defensive like. ability, his ability, his energy. I mean, that guy needs to be on the floor more. And, and I people agree. were talking about it in in our in our chat here online. And it's you, you got to play him more. I mean, yep. you know, maybe you know you're easing him into a bigger minutes load. I get that, uh, but man. 17 minutes for him they were plus 17 i mean he he's especially when joey and duran aren't exactly taking their minutes and running with him you know? i I, I, mean, I agree i mean look i i think that that is a guy who is never even if he gets beat on defense he recovers and he plays tough and and i don't care that he scored five but he was three or four from the free throw line i mean you yeah. you put him in any situation he'll be fine and and he'll handle himself and i think he's earning minutes right now it, you know i mean i know two steals too yeah, Demise Anderson went out there and got ten points tonight. It was four or five shooting, two of uh, two of three from three. I, I I want Ray Thompson to get more minutes than he did, and and Demise had the counting stats on him. I I, I just I Ray Thompson yeah. adds a level of toughness, uh, a level of energy, and just there's just so much to the floor when he's at like putting he and Trace Jackson Davis in the post defensively is you're going to shut teams down. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis, quite frankly, I know we're going to get into him later, but he could lead the Big Ten in blocks this year and 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 not feel like he's just hunting blocks. He's actually playing good defense. Race Thompson and he on the block, that's a good defensive tandem down there. I want to see both those guys play more. Um, Race had or uh, Trace had 22 minutes tonight and, and Race Thompson at 17. I, I want to see more out of those guys. I think I, I do it. like how Archie balanced the minutes, though, and didn't like, I agree. overload anybody this, tonight. It was nice right. to see. Right. No, I mean, I get what's going on right now. They're they're trying lineups. They're trying to get guys playing time and all that. Totally on board with that. I just mean, as we start to get to the bigger games, yeah. I want those guys who are showing out to, to earn minutes. He needs to put D- Demise Anderson out there right now for 20 minutes a game to try and find out if he's going to be valuable as we get into tougher games as a shooter and a scorer. I get that. Yeah. Um, I just don't want to see Ray Thompson only playing 17 minutes when we get into the games that matter. Yeah. All right. Let's go inside the numbers. Obviously, the number that's going to jump out to everybody. 37 of 45 from the free throw line. I mean, not only is the number great. I mean, 45 free throws, a free throw rate of almost one, you know, 100% since India took 46 field goal attempts, but making 37, 82.2%. Quick pop quiz. Do you know what Indiana is shooting from the free throw line on this young season? 74%. Higher. Andy. 70. I had already I already looked and saw the Ken Palm stats updated, so I won't uh, I won't spoil what it. For, say seven, say seventy six, seventy six percent from the free throw line, ladies and gentlemen. Now the free throw defense not quite as good, but the, <laughs> but the free throw shooting amazing. By the way, there were there were fifty four fouls called in this game. That yeah. was absurd. I there were a bunch on North Alabama. Where I was like, really, you're gonna call that? Like, no, I mean, it was it was crazy. But they had three guys foul out. 
and two guys with four. Hey, but kudos to these guys. I mean, the, the free throw shooting is now, I mean, this is three games where this team is really stepping up and knocking them down. And Trace, a freshman, a big guy, 14 of 15. I mean, that, you know, clearly that number jumps out. Um, Andy, as you look at, you know, the numbers, because the other thing that jumped out to me was that no one played fewer than 13 minutes and no one played more than 29. You know, that kind of balance, I thought, was really nice to get so many guys so many minutes. But what else jumped out to you numbers-wise? Yeah, I think the balance from a, a scoring perspective was was there as well. You had five guys in double figures, and I think nine guys had at least five points. Um, so a, a really, you know, solid all-around performance there. It, you know, one thing, and, and part of this can be attributed to, you know, maybe some of the free-throw shooting masks this a little bit, uh, but of the 46 field goal attempts that IU had, 21 of them were from three-point range. And for a while, there were actually – IU had taken, I think, more threes than two. So I, I agree that part of that is, you know, being aggressive and getting fouled in some of those scenarios. But I do think there were times when, uh, you know, IU settled a little bit easily uh, for three-point shots that they could have gotten uh, later because they still shot really well from, you know, two-point range or 15 of, of 25. So you're 60%. Um, you they know, got on, fouled a lot on, on two point shot. Though. So, I mean, yeah. So that's fair. Um, you know, the rebounding was interesting. You know, 28, you know, the rebounding battle was pretty close. And part of that is, you know, so many free throws, free and throws, different things like that. Um, and turnovers. The other team, uh, North Alabama had 22 turnovers too. So they weren't getting yeah. as many shots up. Yeah. Of the rebounds, I mean, Trace had eight and then, and then Race had four. And then, you know, kind of a bunch of guys with a couple. Uh, IU took a lot better care of the ball in the second half. Nine turnovers in the first half, just four in the second. So that was important. And, uh, God, some got of those turnovers of were bad too. Yeah, they I mean, were not. Just... It was not great. There was a there was a stretch where like I think the teams turned the ball over like a combined five possessions in a row, and I a tear rolled down my cheek as I. I think the ball was for wet. basketball started to die, but I'm know. not joking. I think the ball was wet because guys were kept wiping their hands off. Like, that's I'm I bet not, that's I'm what not... I bet that's what the players were saying. I I mean. I I mean it looked like you know, and then there was one where uh, it didn't wind up being a turnover, but it slipped out of Jerome Hunter's hands like it completely. Like he went to pass it, and the ball just floated in the air, and and I think it went out of bounds or it tipped out of bounds by Northern Alabama. So it was like one of those uh, brand new balls that still has the shine. Yeah, on it. no, I mean they, guys were like wiping their hands, and you know that that was in that stretch where everybody kept turning it over. So I don't know. Um, but no, I, I I think that the clamping down the turnovers in the second half was a huge key for Indiana. It was a, the, just the four turnovers. Yeah, um, and then yeah, second half defensively, you know, Ryan put these in the chat. Um, you know, fifteen of North Al- North Alabama's points came from the free throw line. They, otherwise, they were zero of four from three and five of eighteen uh, on the uh, from the field and and had twelve turnovers. So I think it speaks a lot to the you know defensive intensity in the second half overall. IU had nine blocks and six steals. Those are uh, those are good, and and twenty three points off turnovers from for IU. So, uh, you know, those are, are positive numbers. So, you know, yeah, I, my number back in a game like this, a lot of good things to to find despite some stretches that were a little bit ugly. Yeah, my number is just that uh, North Alabama hit seven of ten threes in the first half and went zero of four in the second half. That means guys are closing out to, to shooters because those guys didn't just stop shooting threes because they felt like it. You know, I mean, they, they stopped shooting because they weren't there and they didn't make one in the second half. You know, that was an emphasis at halftime. Seven of 10 was just crazy in the first half. Uh, and then, you know, they just didn't let them get, get any points from there. They had 21 points, uh, you know, uh, from the the three point line in the first half and none in the second half. I think that was a huge part of of the defensive effort. Also, yeah. one free throw earned for uh, the other team flopping. Hey, yeah, 
I like that rule, by the way. Same guy twice. Same guy. Yeah. Same guy twice. Stop it. You're embarrassing yourself. Just yeah, yeah. Exactly. enough, my friend. Enough. <laughs> uh, the last number that I want to mention is four, which is the combined field goal attempts of Joey Brunk and Deron Davis. A lot of talk in the offseason about how this team was going to maybe play two bigs and pound the ball inside. And clearly, Indiana did pound the ball inside and got some points in the paint and got fouled. And got a and, lot of fouls. Yeah, yeah, and Trace, you know, Trace got 20 points. And those guys did get to the free throw line. You know, Brunk had three free throws. Duran had six free throws. So that was all good. But still, you know, those, you know, those two guys, they struggle on defense. They really have to make their impact offensively. And for whatever reason, you know, whether it's just, you know, the entry passes aren't great or, you know, whatever it is, or they're not getting position, like they're not having the impact I think that we would have expected they might have early in the season. And again, with Duran, I'm not going to overreact to it. I want to see, you know, how he starts to play when the games are a little bit bigger. But man, I thought for his first stretch on the court, I thought he looked almost totally checked out. He was just out of it. Then he came back in and to his credit, got back in and had that beautiful spin move. And I think he started jawing with the guy across from him. And when that happens, you know, Duran really gets into the game. He's in. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I guess I expected a little bit more from those guys offensively. And, you know, right now we're just we're not quite seeing it. So just, did you guys mention interesting? I thought. Did you guys mention bench points? Bench points was 46. 46 bench points. And we had talked about how we were worried about sort of the bench. You know, will the offense slow down? But again, Rob Finnessy was on the bench. Yeah, tonight, tonight the bench actually turned things around when they yeah, got Jerome in Jerome Hunter was on the bench. Uh, Demise Anderson scored points off the bench. I mean, they, they had, they had yeah. some really good. And I think this is a team that can actually score off the bench when the season comes around. Once these guys are more comfortable, you see Jerome Hunter get more comfortable. Race Thompson. Uh, and, yeah. and then you're going to have Armand Franklin coming off the bench, likely. Um, and then one of the starters will be coming off the bench because, you know, uh, Devonte is going to be back. Devonte's coming back. I've forgotten his I can't name. Forget after. the man's name. He hasn't been out that long. Gone for three games, and I can't Good. even remember him. Good grief! Uh, but you know, De- Devonte is going to be back, <laughs> so somebody else is going to be forced to the bench. So that bench is going to be deeper and be able to come on and score. I'm not worried about it. I thought tonight they were they were fantastic. I thought they played. I thought the team started slow and played better when the bench was in. Whereas in the first couple of games, it seemed like they started well, and then the bench came in and kind of had a lull. So I thought it was the reverse. You were right. Yep, I, I thought you know to go back to your point about Duran and and Brunk, I think it kind of ties into Race Thompson point. You know, the thing I was going to say about him is that he is not going to get you beat and doesn't need the ball in his hands to be successful. And I think when you contrast that a little bit with with those two guys, you see them struggling defensively, and 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 a little bit of that is you know playing some smaller teams and things like that. But if you think that you're not going to watch those guys get put into ball screens. The entire time they're on the floor against Cassius Winston or against Xavier Simpson or any of the good point guards in the Big Ten, like you're kidding yourself. So, so in that regard, like they they're not giving you they, they are going to be somebody who's going to put so much pressure on the defense as we talked about before to kind of cover for them uh, when they're put in those scenarios. And I think with Duran in particular, I, he feels like when he's in the game, they really have to force feed him the ball to take advantage of what he does really well. And he had the one really good move I think in the first half. Um, that was that was solid, but I think when he's on the floor, they feel like they have to get him the ball. And I think race in a scenario where there's other guys who can score and 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 contribute, whether it's Jerome or Al or whoever else, like he's a guy who doesn't demand the ball. Like, yeah, he's going to get you some putbacks, and maybe you dump it into him every once in a while, but isn't a guy that you feel obligated to get the ball to, and is still going to contribute regardless. So yeah. I think that's kind of the dilemma based on what you've seen so far that Archie has to face of like. You know, how do these pieces really fit best together? Uh, and I think race's skill set and what he does well from an instinctual standpoint and, and defensively really complements 
virtually anybody really well. And I don't know if you can say the same thing through these games, but I'd really like to see what this team looks like against a, you know, Florida state's going to be a great test. They always have tons of size and things like that. So yeah, athleticism. how much do you need a Duran and a Joey in those games versus these? And, and, and is it some, in some cases just a, a, you know, just a physical size type thing. So it's going to we'll be find very out, match but not up for dependent. a few weeks. Yeah. yeah. It'll be very but matchup dependent with those. At two least like. we have the different kind of pieces that we can mix and match, which is nice. You know, yeah, that's encouraging help, for sure. But all right, coming up on the assembly call, we are going to hand out our game balls, and then we will hit any other lingering storylines, including Demise Anderson, because we need to talk a little bit about him. And then we'll look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, and it'll be time for last call. That's all next. Stick with us here on the assembly call. Jordan Halls, and I never miss a shot or an episode of The Assembly Call. You are listening to The Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, plus every Thursday night at our website, assemblycall.com. And while you are there, make sure that you sign up for our free IU Hoops email newsletter. Over 7,000 of your fellow IU fans have subscribed. You can text IU to 66866 to subscribe to the newsletter. That's IU to 66866. Or again, go to our website, assemblycall.com. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. You know, Jordan Hulls did that uh, that little intro for us there. Trace Jackson Davis did himself a nice little Jordan Hulls impression tonight with his 14 of 15 from the line. Uh, and that is a nice little lead-in for our game balls because I have a feeling Trace's name is going to be mentioned in this segment. So far for the season, Al Durham has one game ball. Trace Jackson Davis has one. Will the tie be broken? Uh, I'm just going to start. I'll give my game ball to Trace. He got the banner moment. I thought he was the catalyst to Indiana, you know, extending their lead and really putting North Alabama away. Uh, and he just, you know, once again was a really, you know, I thought consistent presence overall. He, you know, he has his moments defensively. You know, you'll see it where, you know, he's a little bit slow to react. It still looks like he's thinking out there sometimes. And as the season goes along, that's going to get better. But when he's just reacting and playing and not thinking, you see the talent just bursting out of him. And, it, you know, it's just got to make every IU fan so excited about his potential and what he can be. And, you know, it feels like he's just scratching the surface of it. And here he is in his third game going for 20 points, eight rebounds, 14, 50 from the field and three blocks. So, I mean, that's pretty good for, a guy that's, you know, just getting started. So Trace is my game ball tonight. Uh, Ryan, who gets yours? Uh, the entire roster of the Evansville Aces for beating <laughs> Kentucky. Uh, nice job, Evansville. We're here for you. Uh, Kentucky was number one, too. So this wasn't one of those times where Kentucky was like 20th and some little school beat them. Uh, congratulations, Evansville. Uh, my Indiana game ball will go to Trace Jackson Davis. I think that's a pretty obvious pick. Uh, Rob Finnessy gave him a little bit of a run for his money. Uh, with some of the way he played late in the game and, and with that stretch early. Uh, I really liked what I saw from Rob, but it's Trace Jackson Davis, 14 out of 15 at the line and just going to get there. It's so funny. We're, we're giving the game ball to a guy who only shot four shots and four field goals, but the eight uh, rebounds, he had blocks. I mean, he was just, he was doing everything that you expect from a McDonald's All-American and that little sweet little drive and dunk uh, punctuated it all for me. So Trace, congratulations. You got a great, you got a game ball tonight. Andy, did you have any uh, flashbacks to 1993 when Greg Graham went 26 of 28 from the free throw line, seeing Trace just live at the line like that tonight? Because I know I did. I, 
I did think about it at one point, but I, I, he was too far off the pace to really uh, to really challenge it. But how it was, remarkable is that stat line from Greg Graham? Twenty six. Just to be able to get there that many times. I mean, you think about this game for as many fouls as there were. You know, Trace had fifteen. Nobody else had more than what six attempts, yeah. maybe. I don't know, but uh, yeah, it was it was Trace for me. I think Fantasy to uh, to Ryan's point was the other guy that you could consider. Uh, thought he provided a good you know spark off the bench, six assists. Um, so good numbers there. I thought again. Uh, they seemed to put him on uh, Blackman, who had hit those threes early and uh, really slowed him down uh, a bit. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Trace leads in, in points, blocks, rebounds, uh, and makes 14 of 15 from the line, which I would say virtually after the last few years, if anybody makes 14 of 15 from the line, the really automatic game ball. any scenario, that's like an automatic game ball. Yeah. By the way, two just quick moments to point out about Rob. You know, one, there was a play where Race was, you know, out guarding his man on the perimeter, and he's just not very good at that right now, especially against a guard. But he got beat and he hustled to help. But man, Rob Finnessy was so quick to get his feet planted outside the lane and took that charge. It was beautiful. That's the kind of stuff that you get from Rob Finnessy. And just something to watch out for. I haven't seen any quotes in the postgame or anything. Rob took a shot. Toward the end of the second half, when he went, out, he drove into the lane and went up for that layup, and he took a body shot from the North Alabama guy, and you could kind of see like it was one of those like it was almost his entire side got hit. You kind of see him kind of trying to shake it off as he was walking. So for a guy that's dealing with a lower abdominal injury, I'm not trying to like sound any alarms or anything, but I would just kind of keep our eye on that for a guy who's been battling some injuries. My guess he's going to feel that. Stepped in, feel that in took a took a pretty tough charge too at he one did. point. Yeah, and this is a guy who's still recovering. I mean, that is he is tough, man. He is really tough. One last player I want to talk about before we move on is Demise Anderson. We've mentioned him a little bit. You know, I, I thought, Ryan, you know, what we saw from Demise in the second half is kind of what he's gonna have to do if he's gonna get minutes, which is he's just gotta go outscore his defensive mistakes. Because Demise, to save his life right now, cannot keep anybody in front of him on the perimeter. And the no, only it was chance really bad. It was really bad. bad. In the first half. And, and I really like, bad. You half. see him. I feel like he is playing hard and trying, but the awareness and and just kind of the the anticipation just isn't there, and the quickness, like none of those things are there. It, it, you just, I mean, you almost just can't put him on perimeter guys. Now, when he can guard a guy on the block and use his body, use his quick hands, he's got a shot. You know, he's not great, but he's at least got a chance. And so he really, to me, projects as a guy that's going to have to play the four, you know, to really get on the court because against good competition, he's going to get abused on defense. But to his credit, on the other end, he hustled for a loose ball and turned it into a bucket. He made a three. He got that nice assist to Trace. Like he, you know, the guy is wired to score and he did. And what did he end up with? Did he end up with 10? Ten, yeah, four he, of you know, five and two of three from three. Yeah, I mean, he was efficient. He had a couple of assists, so I felt like in the second half he he produced more than he gave away. But you know, you really His defense saw, was better in the second half too. But it's still one on one. He's not he just can't. He just he, yeah, he, he can't. can't keep guys in front of him on the perimeter. It's, and he just it it almost feels like when he's and he almost got his ankles broken at one point by some guy who made a made a crossover on him. I mean, it's. He's it almost is like he's running around on ice or something like he's just he's not I don't know. It's like, you know how when you play and you're on a dusty floor and you have to wipe the bottom of your shoes. I mean, it's like he's playing without doing that. Like he's sliding around and not he just he's not good at moving his feet. He's not good. Maybe the court was wet, too, or his shoes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's. It's just it's tough to watch. It's really, really it tough is. to watch. And um, and 
you hope that he gets better over his time, that maybe, you know, they unlock something with his athleticism. We know he doesn't get off the floor very much when he shoots and when he jumps and all that stuff. Maybe they're able to unlock some athleticism, get him to be more um, active side to side and quicker. Um, but right now it just, it doesn't look good. And it doesn't look like this is a guy that you're going to be able to put on the floor against top level competition. No, I mean, he, yeah, he does look more comfortable offensively, but that that's the thing. I mean, there's just, you know, so many holes there defensively, but, you know, for a defensive minded coach, Andy, do you have any comments on Demisi? No, I think, I think you guys said it well. He just, yeah, it, it just was even toward the end of the game. You know, they had somebody just drove by him and got right into the lane. And, um, you know, I think that's just going to continue to be a struggle for him. I think it's, he's, he's one guy on this team where it's not, I, I, and I think Jared, you brought up the reasons where it's not necessarily like a clear spot to figure out where to play him. Um, because it, you, you compare him to other guys who might play the three in that scenario. And I think anybody who else would slot into there is going to be better than he is defensively. Uh, if you play him at the four, you just have so many guys there that you, you know, kind of opt to play him in that position over, you know, the, the lengthy list of big guys that they have. So I think it's just a weird spot for him to be able to do that. But you know, he's going to have to figure out how to overcome some of those things defensively if he's really going to earn minutes when, uh, you know, when things get rough. But I do think like hustling wise, there was spots where you've seen improvement in that, in that perspective. It's not for it's lack just, of trying for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, well, it'll just be interesting to see. Again, these games are good for a guy like him to try to work some of those kinks out. And, um, but I, I would agree with you that if, if you don't see it in these games, it's, you're hard pressed to think that you're going to see improvement when, uh, when things start to get tougher. Uh, Ken Palm numbers updated Indiana 35th after this victory, the offense 26th overall in efficiency defense 49th. Um, so the defense <laughs> continues to drop, but again, numbers are very noisy early in the season. One other thing I did want to mention, you know, Armand Franklin, a guy who was obviously the talk of everybody after the Western Illinois performance, eight assists, no turnovers has kind of come back to earth as freshmen are want to do here. These last couple games, uh, you know, three turnovers or three assists, five turnovers the last couple games, the one positive I thought tonight, I thought he he had some some good stretches defensively. I thought in the second half, made a three pointer. That was nice to see for his confidence. You know, you kind of contrast Jerome's shots right now when he misses; they're online. Armand shots are kind of all over the place, Way off. Yeah. And so it was nice to see him make that shot. And I thought he kind of looked for his next one with confidence. That to me is something to watch for him. We, you know, I, it was really easy with how he played in the exhibition against Western Illinois to get ahead of ourselves with how good he can be. And I believe me, I think he can be good. I think he's going to be a contributor for this team. But one of the most important things he can do is come off the bench and make outside shots. And that to me is a big, can he build some confidence over these next few weeks with that outside shot? I don't think he's going to be a knockdown shooter by any means, but he needs to be capable of it. So I was happy to see him get his first one. He's only one for seven on the, on the season. But that I think is going to be an important skill for him to have if he's going to get in there and play extended minutes, be able to, you know, be another shooter for this team. Yeah. I, he does a thing where he shoots sometimes and it's almost like his hand follows through and the ball curves. Yeah. You know, it's, it almost curves in the air instead of, you know, being a flat, uh, straight shot. Uh, what I thought I saw from him, uh, you were talking about that, that play where they, they closed out, they closed down everybody well defensively. He was the guy that had the longest to go on a closeout and he got there. And, and, you know, he was the guy whose guy was going to take the shot. 
Yeah. It was wide open and he closed out perfectly. I mean, that that's something that I think is there with him all the time is that he is going to make that effort to get to the closeout, to get to things defensively and everything. And he's also still, you, you look at him when he handles the ball and brings things up and he may miss a shot. He may miss a shot on a drive or whatever, but he still has a lot of confidence uh, in, in his game and in his yeah, ability. And, and that needs to carry over to the regular season because he's going to take his lumps. He's a freshman playing at a major conference school you know, in the Big Ten. He, he's going to take his lumps. He's going to have games where he doesn't score any points and turns the ball over too much and all that. I mean, that's being a freshman. And uh, he's got to have that confidence and, and make sure that it doesn't affect him. By the way, other fun with numbers, Rob Finnessy, assist rate of 41 early in the season. Great to see for a guy who's still working his way back. That is a that's an insane assist rate. He's drawn fouls too, so he's using twenty nine point four percent of possessions when he's on the court. So I mean, Rob is getting in there and making things happen. Uh, Andy, do you want to hit one more thing before we? No, I can. I, I can. I'll do it in my. Uh, I'll do it in my last call. We got to get to an extensive preview of Troy, right? Oh, is that not the yes. Yeah. So I'm gonna just exit here. You so go ahead and do we, your thing. Buddy. So no, I'm we, just joking. we we have assembly call radio coming up on Thursday night, obviously, as we always do. The Troy game on Saturday, and then, hey, want to give a shout-out to our friends at Hoosier Hysterics who have their event on Saturday before the Troy game at noon. Unfortunately, you know, I would have loved to be there. I can't, we all would have. Yeah, yeah, I can't travel this week, so wasn't able to get up for it. Um, it's just kind of one of those things where the scheduling didn't work out. But, you know, if you go, definitely, you know, tweet pictures. Let us know how it is. I know it's going to be just a remarkable event. Those guys have worked so hard to put it on. And, uh, it's really, you know, I think it's an amazing service that they're doing for the fan base to kind of bring everybody together, bring all these ex-players back. It's the kind of thing that I love seeing from this program, you know, bringing different eras together, bringing fans together. So I tip my cap to those guys for what they've, uh, you know, and everybody else who's involved in putting that on. I think it's going to be a great event and I look forward to, uh, seeing how it goes and listening to their podcast of that, but that's on Saturday. And then obviously Indiana plays Troy Saturday night. Uh, Troy currently 293rd in Ken Palm. Uh, Indiana predicted to win by 23. Andy, uh, please give us the lowdown on mighty Troy. Well, uh, coached by Scott Cross, who coached UT Arlington that played at IU last year. So that's so he'll uh, have some confidence. They, he's they got, played Indiana tough. Yeah, they played they played relatively well. Uh, you know, Troy's pretty down. Uh, this could be could help IU's free throw defense get back. They're currently shooting 43.3% from the line through two games, so that could be uh, that could be helpful. They shoot a lot of threes, though, so if you think about, you know, one thing to really watch, um, they shoot, you know, 40, almost 43% of their field goal attempts are from three-point range, and they're hitting just over 40% so far. So, oh boy. Uh, and they've got a, a fairly high assist rate um, assisting on about two-thirds of their made field goals. So, something to, you know, if you kind of you know, take away things from the first half of the game tonight. Uh, hopefully you see some improvement uh, from IU in that regard. They have not been good defensively. They played two home games against UAB and Chattanooga and lost both, uh, although both by single digits. So, uh, yeah, the three-point shooting, I think, will be the, really the big thing to watch there. How well can IU uh, contain, you know, dribble penetration and uh, close out to shooters? By the way, guys, we're, you know, more than an hour into the show and we forgot something very important. It's Coach's so, birthday today. Well, I thought everybody knew that. I thought it would be. I know, but we kind of forgot. We should have. You dumbass. I know. Sorry, Coach. Yeah. We should have wished you happy birthday off the top. Happy birthday, Coach. And happy birthday we to Robbie you, and Coach. Ben Malcolmson too. Happy yeah. birthday to those guys. Big big birthday day for the IU podcasting community, which is very always, true. Very true. Always. Obviously, the most important <laughs> is Coach, though. We love you, Coach. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. I hate it. Well, yeah. 
Uh, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. Remember to use that promo code Assembly20. That's Assembly20 uh, so that you can get 20% off on the most comfortable and unique IU apparel that you will find anywhere. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Uh, use that promo code Assembly20. Hey, maybe get your nine Windiana shirt for the football team so that when they beat Penn State and they end that stupid streak against Michigan, you can be wearing the shirt when they secure uh, win number nine. Hey, it's the year of the called shot in Indiana football, so I'm just gonna I'm just calling it. We're ending that damn streak against Michigan. Um, all right, let's uh, let's go to last call. What do you guys say? Let's do it. Okay, Sounds good. Uh, Andy, you're on the Eastern Time Zone. We'll give you we'll give you we'll give you the honors. We'll, we'll make Ryan we'll, suffer through. We'll rotate through time zones. Good, I like it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the other thing, and we didn't get to the stretch, but I, I think it fits here. You know, we we keep talking about habits and different things like that. You know, there was a stretch toward the end of the first half uh, tonight where it really felt like IU could have kind of put their their foot on the throat of North Alabama. They're up 13 late in the half. Uh, Demisi's late on a the closeout. They give up a three. Al takes a quick three on the other end and misses. And then IU proceeds to foul North Alabama on the next two possessions and give up four points on free throws. And and so, you know, you kind of look for those kinds of things in this game. Like, can you put teams away? Can you really extend these leads and not give that hope? And I think there were times during the Portland State game um, where – where you, you know, just had opportunities to really extend the lead and take the hope away uh, from the other team, um, and and so I think that's been, uh, you know, that's that's something to watch for. And I think in, in another handful of games where you would expect IU to win handily, uh, can they really exert their will, take the other team out of the game, and not let somebody hang around? Because there will be, you know, far better teams that they play later in the season that you will want to really be able to put away when you have the chance. And I think they've missed chances uh, at a couple of those uh, early on, but uh, you know, overall I like the way they reacted uh, in, in coming out after halftime. I think that has been, as I said earlier, a little bit of a theme uh, for this team that haven't played the best, but you can see what the points of emphasis were at halftime. They come out, execute those in the second half. And uh, so, you know, you know, for me, another solid performance in a game that lasted nearly two and a half hours because the referees wanted to call uh, upwards of 50 fouls. And, uh, you know, when I go to a basketball game, that is what I want to see. And so in that way, they've done a great service to all of us. It's all for you, Andy. It's all for you. Uh, Ryan, last first call. off. First off, I want to say anybody who enjoys listening to my voice Thursday morning uh, at five o'clock Pacific. So eight Eastern, I will be guest hosting the morning show on 97.3, the fan in San Diego. So go to Twitter and find out where you can listen to that. If you want to listen, uh, please do. I'm sure I'll mention IU in there somewhere. I always do. Um, secondly, I just want to read you a tweet that came across, uh, right now. Uh, here's a wow. This is from Matt Norlander. Here's a wow. Evansville's win at Kentucky on Tuesday night was the first win by a true mid major in a road environment against the number one ranked team since 1993 when Long Beach state beat Kansas at Kansas. So good job, Evansville. We love you. The mighty, the mighty Long Beach state beach. Yeah, is that the worst? It's got to be one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. Uh, Anyway, yeah, just another nice win for Indiana. The second half was really encouraging. I think we were all discouraged uh, based on our group chat by the first half a little bit. I mean, felt like it was it felt like it was going like one of those early season games where they just kind of go through the motions and you know don't defend anyone and all that, and and you get upset and you know things are gently hurled around the apartment. But I thought the second half they really locked in and and played 
the way that we expect them to play. The defense wasn't perfect. The offense wasn't perfect, but they got it done. And, and they got it done with the help of a lot of guys. And that's what this team's going to be this year. It's going to be a lot of guys helping out uh, and a lot of young guys and guys who are going to be good for the future of this program as well. And guys who are going to develop and not only win this year, but develop them into a team that can win next year and the year after that. I mean, there's a, you look at the roster. It's a very young team and it's a very young team or, and it's a team of very young guys contributing. And, and that's the encouraging thing. Uh, so if they can get in the, uh, on the right track early, have a great year this year and build towards even more in the future, that's, that's going to be fantastic. And that's going to be something to be excited about. And I'm already excited about this team. I like the way they play. I like their toughness. Um, and, and I like the way that they, they, they play on the interior, especially we'll, we'll work on the, on the guards as we, as we get healthier. So, um, I will, uh, I will be excited to see what they do on Saturday and, and we'll talk to you then. Yeah. Cause Ryan will not be here Thursday night. This is his, uh, policy of load management here during the season for his I think, I think we, I think we've learned that I will be there Thursday night, regardless of my wishes. So, oh no, that's right. You are going to be there Thursday night. I am going to be there. Nobody that's else right. can he, sub for me. He so. tried, he tried to take it off, but Kawhi Leonard, I am not load management. Yeah, <laughs> we got to use that. We got to find good ways to use that drop. It's a great line from coach. Um, yeah, look, you know, really bad first half, I thought, for Indiana tonight, but it was nice to see the guys recover. I think, uh, you know, we were talking with coach right before we went live, and his quote was, you know, patience within the game. You know, important for fans to have patience. And, you know, I don't think Archie probably showed a lot of patience at halftime, and I'm looking forward to hearing what he had to say uh, after the game and, and kind of hearing what that was like at halftime because it sounds like, you know, he probably read them the riot act, and it's a good thing. You know, last year it felt like it took Archie maybe a little bit too long to tear into this team for lackadaisical play, uh, and we saw how they responded to it toward the end of the season, and maybe that's what this team needed was a little early season wake-up call uh, to – you know, let them know that they weren't playing the kind of defense that they needed to play, and they got it turned around the second half. It was nice to see, and it led to a nice performance and a nice victory, and hopefully now one more game against these, you know, sub-250 opponents in Troy. Uh, and then after that, you know, the competition improves a little bit, and you play Princeton, that's 205, Louisiana Tech, 89th, South Dakota State, 194. So it's not a lot better, but it's at least a little bit better. Um, so, you know, let's hope that we can get some – Important things done against Troy, you know, keep developing those good habits and just continue progressing through this November schedule in preparation for what's going to be a tough December where there's not a whole lot of margin for error. So Cindy and team needs to get those good habits going. They did tonight in the second half, and hopefully that is a sign of things to come. All right, if you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to longtime listener Bob Thompson, who produced much of the music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you on Thursday night and then Saturday after IU Troy. Until then. Take it from me, Yogi Farrell. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Good stuff, gents. Indeed. 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 See you on Thursday, Ryan. Yeah, it'll be great. If I nod off in the middle of the show, don't hold it against me. Uh, I'll see if maybe maybe someone else wants to come on with us. I'll Call see. time is 3.30. Very excited. I was going to say, you probably get Galen or Cam or 
I mean, uh, if they want to, if they don't, you know, I mean, it's if they're excited about it or, you know, if it's like, oh, yeah, I'll try, then yeah, I'll just do it. It's fine. <laughs> but yeah, that that that's a rough one. I don't know why that station does 5 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. for its morning show. 5 a.m. Yeah, that's uh, that's aggressive. 5 a.m. And it's and it's four hours. It's five to nine. And so like the old the old uh, station was six to nine and then they extended it an extra hour because. Now, what's the audience for this? Is it, is this a local San Diego show or does this have national it's San Diego? Yeah, it's it's enter, it's owned by Intercom, um, mm. but it's the San Diego. It's the Padres station. So oh. we get lots of Padres guests. Um, do you really shoehorn like, in Indiana talk when you're uh, when you're? I, doing yeah, I'll, I'll say some Indiana stuff. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll like people. They'll mention like, oh, big big slate of games coming up this weekend. I'll be like, yeah, Indiana's playing Troy. Like you know, I mean, it's it was really like IU I, Penn State at least. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe when, stick with that's actually a top weekend. twenty-five matchup. Now that's that's when actually I used to, you're not really used to, reaching that far to fit it in that way. When we used to have the Hangover, the show that I did on Saturdays, that we'd be like, oh, you know, because it would be early in the morning so the east coast games would be starting you know out here it was early and we'd always I, they'd always be like all right so the big games are and they start listening off and like indiana penn state you know like i would always <laughs> and yeah people uh people were big fans of that not my co-host but other people were jen asked is it going to be ryan by himself on thursday night not this week but sometime no. we do need well, to have I- a ryan solo show well, that's the funny thing is that like literally I can't host with the way we do it because I don't have a Mac. So I'm sure you can figure out a way, but no, we yeah, we could figure out a way. And I can't I can't do a Mac. I just can't. I've tried. I can't. I I don't I'm not I'm not like anti Mac. I'm just saying for me personally, I can't I can't do it. <laughs> well, on that note. Yeah, sorry guys. <laughs> oh good. Thanks everybody for being here. And yeah, uh, thanks for watching, guys. Yeah, I'll talk to you. Happy Thursday birthday, night. Coach. Happy birthday to Coach. Pace yourself. Pace yourself, Coach. Still load early, load still management. Early in the night. Yeah, load, load management. There's no load management in college basketball. <laughs> I mean, he's right. There isn't. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, oh, Archie. It's, yeah, what could you ask him that would that he would find more appalling than that question? It's really... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He has, know your audience. His, yeah, he's just, I mean, he's just, <laughs> the disdain for that whole concept coming through in his voice is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it was great. It was great. All right. See you all, all on right. Thursday. All right. Later. Later. Bye, everybody. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. expensive now this is an insurance moment but three's got it covered three is a product of berkshire hathaway direct insurance company three no nonsense just common sense let me be straight with you this is a radio commercial for three small business insurance with three your entire business is covered so while you can't see the following scene just know that this contractor's business is protected by three hey toss me that drill yeah man heads up expensive now this is an insurance moment but three's got it covered three is a product of berkshire hathaway direct insurance company three no nonsense just common sense